And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey everyone and welcome back to Power Hour, the Athletics Tuesday National College Football Podcast hosted by yours truly, Nicole Auerbach. And I am joined again by my friend and colleague, Michael Falder from Stadium. To break down the biggest storylines in college sports this week in an hour or less. And Felder, I am excited that we made it through the draft. We just went on basically an extended last call about how we hate the circus around the draft, but love the draft, love getting to see these guys achieve their dreams. But we survived it, which means, you know what? It's actually college football season again. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Like, I am, this is, it's it's funny because I, I was like, once the draft's over, I'm going to catch my breath and then... I realized, oh, I have a bunch of um, spring games and spring stuff to catch up on because I was so busy doing the draft. So I'm about to get deep into spring. But the good thing is, I don't think anybody's going to need me for television. I'm going to hit a couple podcasts like this one here and then obviously my own. But at least I don't have to, like, get TV ready for a little while. Well, we know how difficult it is for you to (laughs) not wear your daily outfit uniform my, of sorts yes my uniform khaki shorts classic nike tee so yeah that's um that's me uh when i when i deviate from the path there is a, a an uptick in stress level but the reality is I'm, I'm i'm happy to get a break and just watch some football and the cool thing i will say this um and i know we're going to talk about the playoff and expansion and all those things but i will say it has been really nice kind of getting back to having beat writers reporting on spring ball um, in some capacity, because for me, that's a big part of my prep. And last year we didn't have it because we didn't really even have spring ball. And this year there's a little bit of spring, spring ball. Like I trust the beat reporters more than I trust any, like, no, there's nothing a national service is going to provide me that guys with boots on the ground, guys and ladies, men and women with boots on the ground in, in, in Hattiesburg or in Tuscaloosa or in, um, you know, Norman or Stillwater, those folks are kind of the lifeblood of the info I take in in college football. So it's kind of been nice to to kind of get back to seeing those things kind of propagate the timeline. Would you agree with the statement that last year from this time last year, so like, you know, April, even through the season was the least we knew about these teams oh, of our lifetime? Yeah. One, okay. 100%. 100% it was the least we knew like, I'm a, I'm a, I know everyone swears by Phil Steele and they go get the Athlon and they do all this. I am a 100%. I take my depth charts from the beat reporters. I take my depth charts from like, I'll never forget. We're playing Jeopardy and the Dothan Eagle was one of the, was one of the answers. And my wife was like, why do you know that? And I was like, oh, it's the newspaper that covers, what is it? They cover Troy and Southern Miss or something like that. And I was like, yeah, that's why I know who they are. And she's like, that's crazy. I was like, yeah, but I read that because I want to see these depth charts from people that were, have been at practice. And last year, mm-hmm. not, not having that was a humongous blow to 
building my own depth charts, but also a huge blow to, I think, on a national stage, I don't think people realize how much you lean on those other writers who are actually there and actually, you know, doing a lot of the, 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 the heavy lifting on site. And so, yeah, it, it was the year we knew the least. And then you throw in the fact that who knows who's in COVID protocol and who knows who's opted out. And it was just, it was a lot. And so that is something that absolutely I'm excited to get back into because it's, it's a huge part of this sport. Yeah, you know, I've been talking to a lot of coaches in the last couple of weeks coming out of spring, and that's the number one thing. They are giddy that they had it. And they, you know, one of them put it uh, this way, where it's like, this was really one of those things that you didn't realize you would miss, or like that, that there was this much value. I mean, I remember at the time, you know, you're thinking, okay, like, what are coaches really missing when you don't have a spring ball? Okay, it's some of the younger guys getting reps. It's you know, maybe you got a coaching change and some scheme stuff, but it's made a big difference. And, you know, I've talked to two heading into their second year coaches and Jeff Halfley and Nick Rolovich in the last week. And, you know, it's like basically year 1.5 because because you just didn't have all of these normal benchmarks in an offseason to figure out like who gets along with who, but also just like who fits and, and all these things. And then the opting out and, and the portal, all this other stuff. It's it just, it, there's a sense of normalcy this year that I think is great. And I actually think arguing about whether or not the college football playoff should expand is part of that moment where nature is healing. We are <laughs> back into a traditional college football offseason. No, yeah. I Listen, I don't think people realize how, how critical spring is. Um, so just to piggyback on that point, it is... It's install for all your, your actual base defense, your base offense, and everything builds off of that. You tweak your base every week to week uh, based upon who you're playing, but you got to get that base in. Otherwise, you don't, have, you don't have a foundation to stand on, and you can't build a strong house without a foundation. And so I think that's critical this year, obviously, especially for coaches that didn't, as you mentioned, year 1.5 instead of year 2 because they missed out on spring. And I think it's also about learning what you got. It wasn't just that we didn't know what they had. But when you don't have spring ball and you just have some camp, coaches don't know what they have either. And you don't know if the guy that's been a backup for the last two seasons is going to be a dog now that the other guy's moved on to the NFL or he's graduated. And so it is, it's, it's about learning what you have. Like, you, listen, especially new coaches, they don't know if this walk-on is ready to run down this field 100 miles an hour and blow somebody's brain up on, a, on kickoff. They don't know. They don't know. And – Spring is where you find a lot of that stuff out. You find out who's a dog. You find out who you can trust. You find out guys that you can kind of pair as mentors and and, and help take guys through things. Like for me, as someone who did not play, like like didn't get in the game. I, I, I everyone says you played football at UNC. I said I practiced football at UNC, but they realized, oh, he does know this entire playbook. We can pair him with young guys so that they can run together, and as they run together, he's going to help get them in the right position so that they can learn. And I think that that's a big part of what spring teaches you is shows you those things. I also was the guy that ran scout. I, I ran um, the, like, defense. I ran the defensive walkthrough period because I knew all the checks and the motions and everything, and so I made sure that we could motion guys to, make, to force the defense to check into things, and then I could also help them with, hey, man, alert strong alert strong and help those guys out so that was kind of my role but you've got to figure you got to have spring to find those roles to figure those roles out and they didn't have it so it's going to be really interesting to see i think the quality of football will be better because yes one one thing that i think has been under discussed is how bad the football was uh the both from a 
physical standpoint, guys not being particularly ready to play, but also from a mental standpoint, penalties and and um, uncertainty, missed assignments, all those things. So I think we can see better football, which I think is important. Uh, but yeah, so let's 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 get to it. As you mentioned, nature is healing when it comes to the college football expansion being a topic, uh, essentially always. Yes, is it is a conversation always. Um, it is part of my reporting area, so I have particularly felt like I live in these waters. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The latest essentially is that the college football playoff is acknowledging different expansion formats from their working groups. So there's a couple of things that I think will excite people, but then also sort of temper some expectations here. The... The, the excitement part is seeing it listed in a press release. Hey, they're looking at 6, 8, 10, 12, 16 team formats. What does that mean? Bill Hancock has to talk about expansion. This is the guy who, you know, worked for the BCS and never wanted to say the word playoff. So what does it mean that he is acknowledging they want to look at format changes? Okay, all of that's exciting, right? All of that's exciting, as is just the open conversations that commissioners have had, I would say, since... You know, uh, December 2018 was when I broke the story saying that there were people ready to talk about this, right? And, and not just wait until the end of the contract. So I would say like January 2019 on, so we're talking two years here, you are having people having conversations about the format. Are we happy with it? That's the first thing you have to answer before you talk formats. And, you know, I had the story in January in The Athletic that had all 10 commissioners quoted in it talking about their concerns about the health of the sport and that it is dominated by just a few teams. You know, the way that we frame the sport is we only ever end up talking about like six teams all year, talking about the fourth spot. Um, A lot of the country is essentially ignored. A lot of teams, most of the 130 FBS teams, 
start the season knowing they have zero shot to enter this thing because the group of five will never get a fair shake here. Um, and then people get disengaged through the season, right? So I, and then you have blowouts and championship games or semifinals. There, so there's a lot of elements here where it's like, okay, is this what's actually healthy for the sport? You have players opting out of bowl games. All of this stuff is interconnected. The new development here is, again, the CFP acknowledging it in a press release and telling us that they had this four-person working group that includes SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby, Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick, and Mountain West Commissioner Craig Thompson. That group was formed before the last week. That group was formed before COVID to look at this stuff. And listen, there's a lot of important and busy people in this group so it makes sense that you, you know, assign a couple of them, create a little working group. That's where the numbers come from. So just to temper some expectations, this has not been a conversation that all of the commissioners have had together and there's real consensus. This is a working group looking at different models and they're looking at all the same stuff, Felder, that we normally do and we normally argue about like, okay, do you go to eight with a group of five spot? Does the group of five deserve a spot? Should you play games on campuses? Do you incorporate the bowl system? All of that stuff is, is what would need to be decided. The questions still remain, and these have remained for two years now. Can you do this before the end of the current contract, which goes through the 2025 season? Is, like, is that even possible to change? And two, what is the format and size that people would want to go to? And it's important to note that that group of it's the Power Five Commissioners, the Group of Five Commissioners, and then Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick. These things have to be unanimous. So this is going to be very hard to get essentially unanimous support on the same model. And there's a lot of competing interests. The Group of Five leaders are going to obviously fight for a Group of Five spot, all these, all these different pieces. And then there's a group of presidents that have to approve these things too. So we're still... We're moving towards something, but we're not there quite yet because until we have a format, I think this could, could you know, kind of just float around for a little bit because it's really hard to come up with a format that people agree with. And I think we've all kind of been acting like an eight-team field is inevitable with a group of five spot, with designated spots of power five. But, you know, this press release said 10, 12, 16 – you know, I have had hypothetical conversations with people about going larger than eight. It's interesting. It's perfect off-season fodder. At this point, it's unclear when they have this meeting in June with with the, with the board of managers um, and the the presidents that are part of the CFP. It's unclear if they could get to the point of like making a major major decision. Like, I don't know if we can move fast enough to get to that point. But we're moving. We're moving towards expansion, which again has basically been an open conversation for two years and everyone's excited because everyone is tired of seeing the same old teams. Everyone is tired of seeing, you know, the, the rich get richer and then the same old teams the next year and then blowouts in the semifinals. So Felder, I, I know you have some thoughts on these, these root causes of frustration and, and why people, when they talk about how to expand the playoff and why, it's about access. It's about including more people. It's about keeping them engaged in the regular season. But it's not necessarily going to solve the problems that Alabama and Ohio State are just better than everybody. Well, here's the thing. I don't think people actually like football. Like, that's the reality. And I think that's the conclusion that I've come to. 
at the end of the day. I don't think people actually like football. And there are a couple different paths that I go down when I say that. I think one, like for me, you said that we only talk, end up talking about five or six teams. I spent a lot of time talking about a lot of other teams. People just don't care about that because those teams are going to the playoff. But you don't like the amount of time, I, the amount of time and energy I've spent on looking at Seth Luttrell's offense and Mason Fine. That's it. That's good stuff. Like they, they do something very interesting down there, the way that they're able to get Jalen Darden and Rico Bussey and get those guys open in space against teams that have higher talent levels. It's been really interesting to watch the way they operate. They operate with some of their spacing concepts, really cool stuff. People don't care about it because they're not going to the playoff. That to me, that means you don't like football. And same thing goes for whether you're watching what, um, good grief, watching what Wisconsin's able to do with their, a team, again, that does not have the same athleticism talent level as in Ohio State or in Alabama, Clemson or what, what have you, but watching what they're able to do from a developmental standpoint for their players and create uh, guys who in year four and year five are polished, everybody's on the same page, everybody knows what they're supposed to do. We're able to, Jim Leonard does a remarkable job uh, as a defensive coordinator uh, the, of putting guys in position to make plays. His safeties are not Grant Delpit, but what they are are guys that are fully competent and capable. They're fearless in the run game. And I love talking about that stuff. So to me, what I'm realizing more and more increasingly is people, they just want to talk like the, ultimately it's not that it's people, they don't like football. They just like the narrative, the conjecture, the whole deal. And so the goal is not, hey, I want to watch football. I care about what happens between the chalk. The goal is what we're seeing. The goal is, is that, well, I'm tired of hearing people talk about these four teams, because, but those are the only four teams that I care about. So let's make it more teams to talk about because that's the only way that I'll care about what's going on. And so for me, that's frustrating because... I like football, actual football, like what happens between the chalk and the strategy and the gamesmanship and all those things. And it's, it is frustrating in that regard for me. And then to speak to on a more real term, I want people to be good. Like we, you and I, we watch summer house and we know that the classic Kyle say like, like the classic Kyle summer should, summer should be fun. I think teams should be good. And that's the part where, I think I divert from a lot of folks who want to expand the playoff. I don't, I'm not for expansion for expansion's sake, just to, to add something in. I understand, and you know this, I understand the idea, the concept of television and this being a television show. I've talked about this plenty of times. Um, it is a television show. And if you want to tell me that we're making the television show better by including the West Coast and moving a little bit more west of the Mississippi and moving more up north and getting those getting those things involved, we want to engage more markets, which is what they told us with uh, conference uh, reconstruction and conference expansion anyways. If you want to tell me that you want to make a better television show, fantastic. Then make a better television show. I can, I, I'm, I understand that part of it, but don't, don't, like, don't piss on my head and tell me it's raining when the when you say that the goal is to make this make the game better, the sport better, because that's not what it's going to do. What it's going to do is get more people engaged, make the numbers bigger, make the money bigger. But it's not going to make like the only thing that can make the sport better 
is for USC to get off their behinds and go out and make some and go out and, and and put together a good football team. It's for Oregon to figure out what they are and put together a, a quality season. It's for Texas to not stink. It's for it's for um it's for Michigan to not be bad. It's for the like that's the way to make the sport better. It's for Nebraska to not complain and complain and complain and complain and then not show up at all for the entire for for basically an entire season. It's that's the way the sport gets better. It's for Florida State to have a functioning offensive line. That's how you make this sport better. And the idea of, well, we'll just let teams in. I mean, listen, again, if you want to make it a television show or a better television show, because it's already currently a television show, one that runs a little bit too long sometimes, but certainly it is a television show, then you can do all those things. But the reality is for the sport to be better, the teams need to be better managed. The, 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 um, the teams need to be better managed. The coaching needs to be more innovative. All these things have to happen. And if those things don't change, then all we're looking at are more blowouts. And let me put this on the table, more games on these kids' bodies, more games on them, not necessarily for free, because we are starting to see movement on NIL, but still more games for them not getting paid by the school. And then the other part for me, and this is something that I kind of hold near and dear, and this is going to be, this might age me, it might feel old school, but as you increase, as you expand the playoff, you also decrease the bowl experience. And this is something, I get it. Most people that are listening to this, they don't give it, they don't, they don't, they don't give a rip about the bowl experience. But I can tell you it's one of the most fun things you can do. And as you create more playoff, you have less bowl experience. Like when these guys go to those national semifinals, they're not going and riding around on a NASCAR track and then staying out till two in the morning and, you know, getting doing the the, the steak eat off competition or the crawfish eat off competition. No, they're focused. It's a business trip. And that business trip element, even though you get the gifts or what have you, the business trip element it does take away from this end of season celebration. I only got to go to one bowl game, but we enjoyed the heck out of it. Like we had a ball. I'm telling you. And, and my bowl game was in my hometown and I still had a great time. Like we're, we're talking, going out, being out all taking your per diem. There's some, there's nothing quite like taking that per diem. They give it to you straight cash, homie. And then you walk right across the street from the hotel to the bar and you give it to them. And then you say, let's make it happen. So, I think that's another element. And listen, I get it. People aren't going to care about that because that's not what something I, that people I, care I, about. I think I, I want to get into some of your other points, but, but with, on that one, do you think that's already being diminished though? Um, because because even in a non-pandemic year, guys are opting out. You know, the, sort of the the meaningfulness of those games has already shifted, and I wonder if it is the same celebration. See, I. I I think it is for teams that were the teams that are just dying to win six games. It's still a celebration. And I think that opt out or not, you're still going, you're still having fun. And it's fun with like 110 of your best friends. I get, I guess I'm thinking more like if you're Oklahoma and you don't make the playoff and then you get sent to sure. an otherwise marquee bowl, which is a disappointment and a failure. Sure. And, and listen, if that, and that's it, but there, so I'm of two minds of that. If you had playoff expectations and you don't make it, okay, so what's next? Hey, man, let's just go have some fun. We're going to go and have some fun. If we win, we win. If we like, I think that, I think there are a lot more teams 
and programs. Like this year, we saw, what was it, Rod Carney? Is he at, is at Temple, right? And he was like, we just want to be done because of the yeah. pandemic and everything. And I think in a normal year, if that team could have gotten to a bowl game, like a, to get to like a proper bowl game, I think they would have been like, this is fun. Let's, let's go have some fun. We're going to do, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go to, you know, wherever. And we're going to have, we're going to see who can eat the most crawfish. And we're going to go to the, if, if it's not in a semifinal year, I like the, the tales of the, of the peach bowl from the, you and went to the peach bowl in 2001, I believe. So two years before I got there and we still had a bunch of players from that team, uh, Julius Peppers last year, I believe. And the tales from the peach bowl are just like epic tales of, being out in it, out and about in Atlanta, the Chick Fil A um, hospitality suite that just kept rotating in fresh nuggets for the players, like literally, like that's and guys were just they love that, and so that's a part of the sport that I don't think enough people see. We everybody does the article every year about the gift suites and what have you, but there's so much more. Like we went to the Continental Tire Bowl, we went and did a NASCAR ride along with Boston College. We had a barbecue eating contest with Boston College. We saw Boston College out at the club. We hung out with because we had teammates that played with guys that ended up at Boston College. We hung out with Boston College. You think about the is it a one maybe a two Sugar Bowl where you end up with the Miami and Florida playing each other. They end up in the fight in the middle of the night on Bourbon Street. But like that's I was talking to Wayne Cook who, um, you know, sidelined for UCLA. And he talked about when they went to, like, the Sun Bowl and they were doing all this fun stuff. And so I just think losing that element is a little bit rough for me to take. But at the end of the day, I know it's not a thing that most fans care about because it's not a thing that most fans experience. Yeah, and I, I do think, though, from a business standpoint, relationships with those bowls in those experiences are a factor. I just think they are less of a factor than when they first created mm-hmm. – the playoff and that they did it in a way that they wanted to incorporate the bowls and have all these contracts and rotations because of that. I, I don't think that the Rose Bowl, you know, the way that someone put it to me a couple months ago was like, I don't think we're going to treat the Rose Bowl with kid gloves anymore. Right. So right. that's where some of this stuff actually was an important motivating factor on one side of this. And I think that that is less. So I understand your points. Let's get back to your point, though, about access versus quality, yeah. right? For for me, as someone who thinks that the college basketball tournament is the best postseason event that we have in sports, it's because of the access that I think you need to look at what's happening with college football. I understand it's a that Coastal sport. Carolina... But I understand that Coastal Carolina or Cincinnati was not going to win a national championship last year. I understand that if you set up a playoff and Coastal gets Alabama, they could get run off the field. But I'd rather that get played out on a field. I would rather have the access point for everyone so everyone can start the season, including teams like Coastal Carolina throughout the group of five, have something to play towards, that there is a designated spot in the real postseason that you can, A, recruit towards, but work towards and, 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 and aim for And, yeah, I mean, like, did we watch 16s play one seeds all the time, even though we knew that they were almost never going to win that game? Yes. Did it happen once, and was it awesome? Yes. I don't think it's the same deal with football. I understand these rosters are going to look different. They're going to be built different. I don't care if we get to the same finish point where it's Alabama versus Ohio State or Alabama versus Clemson in the championship game. I think it would be more interesting along the way 
with more access points, more teams engaged. And I think it just gets rid of this idea where we literally just look at recruiting rankings and we're like, all right, well, these three are penciled in. We're only talking about the fourth spot each year. And you know what? There's only like three teams that ever get that fourth spot. So if you have an expanded field with access points for everybody, again, the finish line may be the same, but I think it'll be more interesting to get there along the way and it will keep people more engaged. Again, it doesn't, I, I'm not saying that those early rounds of the playoff aren't going to be blowouts if you don't have buys and whatever. But I am saying that I'd rather see Coastal Carolina lose on the field as part of the playoff than just be told, no, you know, we think you're be- we think that Iowa State is better than you. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You hit the nail on the head, which is what I was getting at when I said that if you want to make good television, make good television. And that's the reality of the situation. Like, it'll be, it's good television. It's not going to be better football. It's going to be good television. And that's fine. I just, I guess for me, I, I'd like to call the spade, call a spade a spade. And ultimately, you said more interesting I think more interesting speaks to engagement and and I don't know, I don't know maybe and this is me being far too close to the situation having been in locker rooms play college football everybody doesn't most teams don't go into their season think they're going to win a national championship like the goal is let's get to a bowl game let's get to this bowl game let's get to a better bowl game than the year before and it's not, hey, we're going to come out, we're going to be number one. Like, most, most teams don't think that way. Most teams think, let's be better than we were a year ago. And so I don't like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think that, yes, obviously with, with UCF and uh, Coastal, the, the, their thought process was like, well, we'd like to have a chance. And that's, I get it. But most teams aren't, that's not the universal thought process. The, the thought process is, let's be better than we were a year ago, and then we'll see where that gets us. So I'm just, it's, I don't know. I'm just, I am, look, I'm, I'm basically, at this point, I am ultimately, it's like, I've, the pill's been swallowed. Expansion is going to happen. Like, there's no, I can't, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. But I just am of the mindset, and again, I like that you said more exciting and more engagement, because I do think that that's the correct answer, not the better football part of it. And I also hope people realize 
they keep talking. You, you, you mentioned the rich getting richer. It's going to keep happening. Yeah, but, but he, here's what's happening now. Because I do want to tie this into the draft. When there's only four spots each year, it's essentially an invitational, and it's almost always the same teams because the Alabama, teams, Ohio the State, it's the good Clemson teams. have dominated the spots in the seven years of the playoff. Then if you're a good player and you want to go to the NFL and you also want to play for a national championship, you only end up going to the same places, right? Yeah. because you- Doesn't that only... Hurt. Like, isn't this more of an issue than it was in the BCS era where there were only two teams, it was a little bit more sporadic. Yes, there was some dominance, but, like, the playoff, if you're an elite, elite program, you're going to be there every single year. So it's more of a self-fulfilling prophecy, in my mind, for recruiting. Then you look at these numbers coming out of the draft. Draft picks per school, Alabama and Ohio State each lead the way with 10. Hey, you know what? If I'm a good player, I think I'm going to go to Alabama or Ohio State. Well, here's the, I, see, here's the thing. I think that this is more of a Nick Saban and Urban Meyer to Ryan Day thing than it is a, a playoff thing. They are be, th- Nick Saban is better at recruiting than everybody else. Alabama was not. Alabama took a break from being a top program for a while until they got Nick Saban in the boat, and then Nick Saban, BCS era into the playoff era, he revamped their recruiting. The way that he recruits, I find to be remarkably fascinating. For those of you that don't know about it, he has height, weight, size, uh, arm length. He has requirements for every position. If you don't fit those, he's not going to – he doesn't want you. And unless you've got something remarkably special like Devonta Smith. But the reality is, if you don't fit the height, the size requirements, you're not a player that's going to get to play at Alabama. That's why everybody looks like they come out of a mold for them. And I don't think that's a playoff thing. That's a Nick Saban thing. But – but, but doesn't it, isn't there an element of, okay, so we know that if you want to play for Nick Saban and prep for the NFL, you can do that and play in the playoff because they're going to be in it every year. Like, I, I think that element where there's a couple teams who can say that every single year, it adds something. If you care about a national championship. See, I, and I'll, I'll throw this in there, right? I'll throw this, I'll throw this out at you. If Butch Davis was at a Power 5 job, I think he would be recruiting masterfully. Because what Nick Saban does, there are two things that he does. Yes, some of it's playoff related, but it's also the fact that anyone that stayed for the four or five years at Alabama, they win a national championship. Every player that he's recruited since the 2007 season, they, you win, you'll win a national championship if you stay. So, but that matters, right? Right, but that's in the BCS era as well. And because we've got an 09 title, we've got a 12 title. So... That's, that's that, and then we move to the playoffs, and we get, what, we got 14, 15, 17, 20, or, or 21. I, I can't remember all of them, but we've got all this. But that's, I guess for me, knowing he can walk in and say, yes, you're going to win a national championship, but also he walks in and he has a list of his first and second round picks. And says, these are the guys that I put in the NFL. Going all the way back to Michigan State and moving forward. Butch Davis does the same thing. Obviously, we're seeing Dabo Swinney start to do the same thing, which is why Clemson's recruiting has picked up. I think the playoff helps, but I also think pushing... I think there's... I don't think that recruiting as is as tied to the playoff as it is to NFL production and creating opportunities for guys to get to the next level. 
and which is why we still see Michigan. Michigan hasn't stayed. They're not sniffing the playoff, and they had eight guys get picked. And they've consistently put a bunch of guys into the next level. Florida hasn't been in the playoff. They put guys at the next level. LSU had a unicorn season, but they keep putting guys into the next level. Uh, Georgia, again, a team that has been to the playoff once, but Kirby Smart follows a lot of what Nick Saban does in recruiting, and he's also got a list of his defenders that he's put in the NFL, and that's what makes guys go there. I don't think the playoff, like USC finished in the top 10 this year. They have not sniffed the playoff ever. So I think that for me... I think it's a bonus. If you want to have... Yeah, but but there are people who will say that that winning a national championship or playing for one is important to them, right? And you can do that plus be in an NFL pipeline. Absolutely. I just think from like in my eyes looking at it like like Florida like looking at it from my standpoint we're seeing Florida State isn't falling off in terms of recruiting because they or Miami isn't falling off in terms of recruiting because they haven't been to the playoff. It's because they haven't won games. And so this falls back in line with my original point of I want teams to be good. Good teams get good players. And good recruiters get good players. And so I don't think, I think the playoff is a great, it's a cherry on the top of the recruiting process. But for me, when I look at it, I think that what you've got is a great coaching staff in, in Pickens County, South Carolina, which you've got is a great coaching staff in Tuscaloosa, which you've got is a great coaching staff in Athens. You've got a great coaching staff, obviously, in Columbus. Uh, you have a coaching staff that worked incredibly hard in, in L.A. for USC. Uh, they worked incredibly hard to rebuild relationships with their local kids that were leaving and rebuild those relationships so that they could up their recruiting because to win you have to step your recruiting level up once you step your recruiting level up now you got to develop those players once you develop those players now you get wins once you get wins then you get to the playoff so you can't put the cart before the horse i think that the reality is it starts with wins wins factor into recruiting then recruiting better gets you more wins and as you get more wins then you get to the playoff the problem honestly i think is that a lot of people aren't doing the work and What's the point of being a playoff team if you're a nine and four football team? Like, what's what's that's not going to give you the juice that you think you're going to get in recruiting, just because you got an automatic bid to get in. And when I look at it, and I think about, okay, well, how can we get better in recruiting? Okay, one, we have to ID talent better. Like, this is something that's this is something that I really do pride I, places like Iowa, even Iowa State, obviously Oklahoma State. I throw in. Um, Houston has done a pretty good job of this as well. Uh, TCU does a great job of it. These schools that ID talent early and then jump on the talent because recruiting is about relationships. If you build a better relationship than another school can build, then you're going to be able to keep that kid. It doesn't matter if Alabama comes calling. The reality is there's kid, there are plenty of kids that have said, no, I'm sticking with what I'm doing because you just you thought you could hop in in my senior season and then convince me to go play for you. These guys have been talking to me since I was a freshman and I know them and their coaching staff hasn't had a ton of turnover. And these guys believed in me when, when I was, you know, a skinny defensive back from, from East St. Louis, these guys believed in me. And I think that's going to be something it's going to be really interesting to watch with like a place like Illinois, even uh, how they build those relationships. But I am, I I do, I think, I think what we're, I honestly, God, I can't remember the word for it. I think what we're seeing is, the playoff be a result of quality coaching and recruiting 
not leading to quality coaching and recruiting, if that makes sense. No, I get that. I, I just think that there is more of a self-fulfilling prophecy element of it when you get that top heavy. But you know what, Felder? We have all off season to continue <laughs> this debate and to continue to talk about playoff expansion because it is coming. It is inevitable. We just don't know when and in what format. So we can have a lot of fun with that, even though you may not have as much fun as I do. <laughs> but for today, that will do it. And we will end with our last calls. And I will let you go first. So again, for our listeners, this is something you want to rant or you want to rave about. The floor is yours. Yeah, uh, I'm going with a real last call. If it wasn't so early in the morning, I'd have a shot with it. Um, but I'm taking a break. I need a break. Like I'm, I'm going to go no public sports for a few weeks. Like I'll, I'll watch at home um, some spring games and stuff and try to put together some spreadsheets and depth charts. But right, like for real, though, like that's only on the laptop. I'm not even going to get the monitor out to do that. And I'm just going to. It's all reality TV and cooking and, and just hanging out with my kid. And so, cheers to everyone working because job well done. I thought this year's draft. Um, goodness, I guess one thing I would rant about is the amount of time that they suck out of the draft is remarkable. Um, I, it's a television show. I get it. But good grief, four hours for that first round, including 25 minutes or 20 minutes until Trevor Lawrence goes off the board. When we knew we know he's been the first pick since September. Goodness gracious, man. They are eating it up. But shout out to my guys, Lefko and Connor Rogers uh, at BR. They did a really good job, I thought, with their live draft coverage. Uh, but no, I'm I'm cooking. I am in the middle of a quest to smoke 100 iterations of chicken this year. And so I'm going to get back on that starting today with a whole bird that I have. And then we, we're going to roll, we're going to rub it down and I'm just going to have a little bit of fun. And I got to get you a pizza sometime soon. Yes, please. Um, my last call, I'll go, I'll be inspired by that. And also our shared interest in Bravo television. And I will say to quote Kyle Cook, summer should be fun. Yeah. And I, I'm going to have lots of fun. I bought a bike recently. I've been biking along the lakefront. I am grilling. We're going to hang out soon because we're almost fully vaxxed. It's going to be a great summer. And we're going to end this on a really positive note because, yes, Felder's going to take a break from sports. Also, I'm going to prioritize all the summer activities that are going to be fun and they're going to be open this year. And I'm excited about it. I bought a tennis racket. I'm doing all sorts of outdoor fun things. I will have Felder's Pizza, and also Dan Rubenstein's Pizza, because you guys started little pizza shops in my area, and it is going to be a fun summer, so it is, it should be, it will be, and cheers to that, and to the optimism that is here right now with the weather and with everyone getting vaccinated, very high hopes for the summer, and very excited to see them out um, but that'll do it for Power Hour this week. Um, like I said, we'll have plenty more on college football playoff expansion and developments as the summer rolls on. Andy Staples will be back with Ari Wasserman and friends throughout the rest of the week on this feed. So if you like it, please rate, review us. And you know what? We will see you next Tuesday for Power Hour. I'm Nicole Auerbach. He's Mike Felder. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.